Hello, guys. Welcome to the Electric Theory Podcast. My name is Gina Shear, and I am one of your co-hosts. We have a special episode for you guys today. We are doing something unique, and I am here with my other co-host. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, Joshua Hunt. I am back, baby, and I have brought friends. I'm very, very excited for today's, like you said, special, unique episode. To my left, I have Trey. To his left. We got AJ or however he wants to introduce himself, but I can't wait to dig into their backgrounds, what they do. And then we're going to talk a little bit about culture, a little bit about the marketplace and a little bit about agility and really just penetrating the marketplace with our ideas and our values and how to do that. What's good? What's good, everybody? My name is Trey Thompson. I currently serve as a manager of corporate social responsibility for the Dallas Mavericks. I've been working in professional sports now for about eight years. Voted husband, voted father, uh, Christian. But I'm honored to be on this podcast. I'm happy to be able to drop some knowledge with you. And also be able to have engaging conversations on how we're going to continue to push the culture forward in a more productive, but also a more mature direction. Which takes a unity, takes a village. So happy to spend this time. What's up, everybody? My name is Adrian Washington. I'm actually an owner of my leadership consulting group. It is called Desire to Lead, but I have an investment banking background. One of the things that I love doing is this, inspiring people to just bring out the best selves. So I love developing high-performing teams. I love going in and just creating organizational structure and um, trying to get businesses to thrive in the way they should and it as well. So I am so excited to be on the podcast today. I love that. Thank you both for being here. Absolutely. You have 24 hours a day. Organize your day. Work hard. I'm here to talk about success. By empowering global pioneers and igniting diversity and thought, we fuel innovation and resilience to enhance people's being, help people reach their full potential, and foster a culture of lifelong learning and growth. Beautiful. So how do we do that? Let's talk about this. This is how we do it right here. What we're doing. These conversations are important. I want to kick it off with a question. And this was something that came from a previous podcast. For someone that doesn't know what their purpose is in life, what would you tell them and how to get on the right track? Trey, Trey you look like you're about to jump out of your seat there. Hey, I'm, I'm smiling. I've learned in this setting. Hold it until it's time to throw it. <laughs> you have to understand first who is the creator of purpose. If you don't know who the creator of purpose is, then you'll never know how to actually go out and chase it. That starts with the relationship. That starts with understanding that your life has some form of value. Have something special to bring to the table because each and every one of us in this space have been uniquely created to do something important. It's that in, internal thing that we all have desired to do something that is meaningful in this world. We all want to change this world, but we want to change this world from our lens. Yeah. So you have to understand is who's controlling the lens, who's controlling it, and that's really rooted into the cultures that we grow up around, those environments that we're raised up in, the ideologies that are embedded in those cultures. And a lot of times we fall by the wayside mm -hmm. because purpose will be clouded and colluded by the culture that we love. Yeah. And that's the hardest reality that I think we don't face. 
in our culture because we love it so much. So we almost like it's like a relationship that you should walk away from, but you stay in it because you think that there's still some potential there. But red flags written all over the wall. And our purpose is different. If we are trying to chase after a purpose that takes some type of linear focus, it has to take some type of discipline. It has to take some type of positive community, people that you're surrounding yourself with. Who are you spending time with? Who are you allowed to pour into you uh, when your cup is empty? Yeah. And that is always centered in. If you can't understand how to build that type of environment around you and you allow culture to take over, then you're never going to truly find the pathway purpose that you have been called to walk Wow. I love that. No, I, I would definitely concur because that's probably the foundation that a lot of people strive for. One of the things that can make it a little bit more practical as well, especially when you have an individual of all ages who's like stuck, I've tried this, I've tried that, and I really don't know what direction I need to go. The number one thing is just really don't discard your passion. Mm-hmm. What are you passionate about? think that there are certain things that our passion literally grow us into our purpose. Literally something that we essentially say what we can do for the rest of our life or the reason why we exist. Your purpose sometimes is a little challenging. We feel like our purpose is supposed to give to us. But it's literally a, per- a place in our life where we're able to give to others. Yeah. Yes. And sometimes giving to others that are really glorified the lifestyle that we sometimes see on social media. Yeah. Reluctant to do it because it takes time and takes resources. And it also takes a little bit of self identity. Yeah. To understand who you are as a person. I'm valuable. I'm self, I have self worth. And when you understand it from that perspective, then you can go out to your passions. And even if your passion is something as simple as tennis, mm-hmm. something as simple as basketball, or something as simple as I want to go into a nursery home and I just want to sit and talk to individuals and things of that nature. You, you never know who you're going to meet along the way. Was going to give you access to your next level in life. And so if we can look at it as if somebody is holding the key to your next, then we'll be more mindful of the meaning that comes out of things. Or we're doing something as simple as doing our favorite hobby. Yeah. And doing it with a more, uh, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability because I know that the skills that I've learned in this area of my life are transferable. And then be patient with yourself. So we're living in a world where everybody has. Like right now, yeah. Right now, like right, now, right now. You want everything figured out? I, I, one of my mentors, greatest guy that he had ever told me, he said, "You're not in business until you're in business. You don't know what you need until you get a client, and a client say, can you provide this?' And you, right. say, well, you can't provide it. What do you do? You say what? Yes. Yes. And then you go and go phone and you figure it out. Yeah. And by you saying yes, you figured out another skill. You just added value not only to yourself, but to your business and yeah. a more intellectual of how you can be a, a better contributor to the marketplace. And I think that we all have to find a way to just say, I'm going to start. Right. Okay. To that point, though, that's an interesting thing that he says, though, because I feel like corporations, corporate companies, what they have done is they have made individuals feel like we can't be Swiss army knives in the marketplace. (laughs) You have to be a Swiss army knife in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. You do not know how to be flexible. You do not know how to go talk to the accountant and finance department and understand exactly what they're talking about in that department. Even though it may not have anything remotely to do with what you do, but if you can understand what they do, it helps you understand, okay, maybe I need to think about this next time because it helps make their job easier. Yeah. 
then we're able to then say, oh, purpose is really centered in the skills that we have, but sometimes Sorry. we need to learn new skills, our our skills sharpen our skills, to your point, to be more active. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's all about impact. And I, and I feel like people would be a lot more accepting of who they are as a person if they go after impacting other people's lives. Yeah. Instead of being so selfish about what they can gain from an experience. I remember I would be so down after I just lost the job. And I'm like, AJ, this job gave experience. It introduced a new level. Yeah. And it's really giving you the ability to not only show you what you offer yourself in a different mechanism to other industries, other positions, so they can see you in a different light. But you would have never got there if you would never have to do it. We really have to be patient with ourselves, especially on the journey of purpose, because that's such a general, like, there. There are so many different ways that we can serve. There's so many mm-hmm. different ways that we can actually contribute. And if we're not mindful of who we are as people, we'll begin to compare ourselves to others and do what works for other people instead of for what actually created the desire to do. Yeah, I agree with that. Trey, I have a question for you on that note that you were just speaking on about so many people are really put into their bubble and they live in this bubble in corporate and they don't explore they really don't get the experience of other industries. Mm-hmm. And then to your point, AJ, of saying that really doesn't happen until you lose your job and you're forced in that emergency situation to give yourself room to be able to grow and have new experiences and learn new skill sets. How does someone do that? While they're in corporate America, how do they focus on being able to reach out to their employees and to grow their skill sets and being able to learn different facets facets of other industries to be able to just grow as a person. Yeah. So funny because I've been studying the and in chapter three, he talked about there's a time and a place for everything. And he literally says, what profit is there for the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the task which God has given to the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. If we, if we look at the job as just a job, then we're going to continue just Mm-hmm. But if you recognize and understand that wait, there's a purpose and a reason why I have this job. It's not just about the work. What can I do here that is purposeful, meaningful, helps me grow, help, helps me make relationships with people that I work with, helps me understand who the people are that I work with, understanding their story, understanding what, what let them here. Why are they here? Oh, wait a minute. So I'm here. You're here for this reason. I'm here for this reason. Wow. So we were here for a reason. Okay. Right. How do we grow together in this space? What's your future goals? What do you want to accomplish here? Okay, I want to accomplish this. What do you want to accomplish? Oh, wait a minute. That's, you have this passion outside of this place? Let's meet up outside for coffee, man. Let's have a, a more in-depth conversation about that. Maybe we can work together on something. If we are not understanding that when we are at this job, the job is just the job. Work is what he's giving us work. That's what we're supposed to do. There's no amount of work that you can do or less amount of work that you can do that will make God look at you differently. Right. The company will easily replace you the moment that you are not meeting their quota or the moment that you're not meeting their expectation. Or now in this new thing that they're bringing into the space, the agendas, whatever their corporate agenda is, whatever their measurement, their whatever they're building their KPIs on, whether it's through cultural awareness, whether it's social civil justice, whether it's through money, whatever the case may be, they have an agenda and they're going to meet their agenda with or without. So you have to first and foremost accept that. And you have to understand if everything that glitters isn't gold in the marketplace, because there's a lot of 
things that look like gold, but it's poop covered gold. <laughs> so you have to be understanding and being real about it and understand that you cannot worship the job. You have to worship your purpose. You have to understand that whoever gave you that purpose is what's worthy of worship because then when you look at the people that you work with, it's easier yeah. for you to see the value in what in the union, what people actually bring to the table. And then you say, okay, how can we step outside of these spaces and now step into with our skills, where our gifts are, how can we now build something together that more forward thinking and recognize like most of these jobs, you can see the cracks, but it doesn't take long when you step into a job. Why with this uh, fairy tale was this real? Was this not real? You can see it quickly, mm-hmm. but when you read it, you have to realize okay, how did I see this for what it is? What can I actually do about it? What can I do? Can I change this? Can I build a new fabric in this place? But it's all still sitting there. So if you don't recognize that, like earlier, the internal things that we carry within ourselves is what it needs to come out, no matter what. Janitor, you CEO, you can <laughs> Whatever is true is what needs to come out of that so that we can create beauty. Yeah. That's the that one. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Josh, do you have anything to chime in on that? No, I think that was, it was solid. Like both of those points that you guys can make solid. One thing I do want to cover something that you said earlier, which was along the lines of culture and our beliefs and values essentially shaped by our experiences. Having a conversation yesterday and Caleb's conversation matters workshop, we were just talking about like how do people kind of form these values, right? So what do you say to someone born into just completely different value than we we have or we all share at this table? Mm-hmm. Like who's right and who's wrong? Like how do you do the cipher? Because we're living in an age where it's so buggy and gray. And yes. it's like, oh, do what you feel. Like, that's the easiest way to define it. Do what you feel, right? So, like, like how like how do you, I don't want to say confront, but how do you essentially approach someone that has that belief to do what you feel or essentially give that angle? This is what I grew up on or what I believe. How do you instill some of those values of purpose and living and what is right? Diversity. Mm. The yacht. There you go. It's that's what I that's what I got from. It's it's more so okay. The the question the, the question that was posed was like how do you determine what's right or wrong when culture's flat? Like that was a question that we were answering in this workshop yesterday. And some of the feedback was I I was this the gentleman that was sitting next to me, he was like, I was in five I grew up in five different countries. And each country, people had different beliefs and different values. Mm-hmm. So how do you determine which one is right? Yeah, I, that's a very interesting question. And the more you travel, the more you are exposed to different people, which I think is a great thing. Yeah. You really get an appreciation of how people live their lives. And I never want to come from an area where I am self-imposing my ideals, my values, or anything like that all to people because... We should be all in a learning state, not per se in a place where we know more than other people, but actually learning in so many different areas. Now, most of my values as an individual person, like I was, I was born on Christian values and those values came from the Bible. So what kind of gave me the foundation or the validity for what I believe in 
is really rooted in what was orchestrated Acts of the Old Testament when, it, when the Ten Commandments came out. So I don't steal because it hurts people. I don't steal because it hurts the nature of the relationship that I have with God. Right. So when we start trying to understand where we are getting our principles from, sometimes we like to rob what works best for us, even though we're still in it from the foundation of where Christianity comes from as well. And we can't pick and choose some of the things that we want to do. I cannot say that this is good and me and this is bad for you and then try to create a whole lifestyle behind that because now it's not authentic. It's not something that really can be founded on. And one of the things that I love about my values is that they don't change. Why yes, it will not it will not change from generation to generation to generation. The it's it's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So in other words, I can be, I can have a guarantee on some of the values that I live on come to when it comes to my Christian values. It's because it's not something that is shaped. It's not something that I fall, I fall victim to when I feel like I can't meet up to that standard. Now, I'm not saying that everybody lives that way because I really do believe that there are certain things, even in the Muslim culture, when it comes to the good things and it comes to the bad things. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we get our value from religion. So that's right, why we're right. kind of like going through like the religious space, the Muslim, one of the things, even though my my values don't come from that background, but right. that I can appreciate is how much of an agreement they are in right, right, right. when it comes to their different their culture and things of that nature. It's that even the Hindu even the Hindu, like how they're able to pray, meditate, things of that nature. And those take self discipline. Those take yeah. some things that overall makes you a good person and if you and it not necessarily saying that a good person it's like because that even in itself can sometimes be arbitrary to have belief but at the same time like man the way i think that we all have to like really respect where other people are coming from and then as i grow in a love for who i am as an individual i set a standard yeah for what other people Curious. And that gives me the opportunity to say, okay, this is now where, what I'm based in. How I'm able to have peace in the middle of this storm right. is because of this is the foundation of my life. And whenever that curiosity is created, now I know I have an opportunity to plant a seed. Right. And that seed that I'm planting, and really God does the growing of that seed, can literally go into any direction after that. Right. I just want to make sure that I am setting the standard. And right. I don't need, I don't impose that standard. I become an influence of that standard. Even with my little daughter. Right. Like I don't have to impose this is what you do, this is what you this is what you do good, this is what's bad. I don't have to do that. I want to be the influence of that. Which right. is so much more of an example because now the pressure does not fall on her. The pressure falls on me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not diverting it to somewhere else. Right. I'm letting her be curious about the standard that I'm setting for myself so that she will be able to live her life Reflection of what she's been experienced by, which goes back to what Trey was saying. Yeah. Um, your culture, your value, all of it is shaped by your experiences. If I give my daughter a good experience of the standard that I set for myself, which is founded on the principles of God, yeah. then I've now created an area of value that are not just words that make the case. Yeah. To expand upon that and to answer the question directly of what Josh was asking. 
if we take the cultural aspects out of it and we literally just reflect on people, I think one of the most eye-opening situations for myself happened, I don't know, roughly a year ago. And this may ruffle some feathers, not necessarily in this room, but outside of this room, may, may in this room too, I don't know. But when abortion was banned in Texas, I knew where my beliefs stood on that and where, you know, where my, where my own beliefs stood on that because of my values. However, I had so many peers that did not agree with me on that. And that was something that before I was never really open to, excuse me, I would always just kind of like stand firm in my belief, which I still do. And I always will, but I had the opportunity to really find grace and hear and relate to these other women that disagreed with me and was really able to see them eye to eye. And I said, tell me why you're not okay with the situation. And I truly opened up a whole new aspect of my heart and my mind to really find grace for these women, but still standing firm on my belief and that would have never happened if i wasn't willing to relate to another quote-unquote culture or belief system center of christianity the difference in my personal opinion christianity to other religions is that it's that simple a lot of other religions their main focal point is what they believe that the works that you create more good can do is works more good treasures more good stuff that you're gonna have waiting so it's almost like a commission yeah sell sell and sell you hold those deals and then boom now you got all these commissions coming in and now boom you get these checks you got this money you have all the stuff whereas christianity it's like both sides breaks both sides yeah both sides rte the there's so much hatred that is spewed into this world that's why we have to continue to have light and that's why in this culture, you get a person, especially when it comes to Christianity, I feel like Christianity, like my pastor says, it's okay. And so, since it's always playing defense, it's like the moment you say or mention the Lord, you mention the name, you mention Jesus, space or area, it's almost all the people from Christian churches. And Christian churches, you have to make sure that you distinguish Christians from Christianity. Christians right. law, states. But Christianity, Christianity, Christianity's purpose as it is, it's just the voice. We're our third life that principles and foundation of the testament is rooted in certain that we just have to abide by, follow. But grace, grace, we say things that we shouldn't say. Grace, we love the spirit of people, the things of our heart, the deepest, darkest things. Hey, we are, we have the right to make mistakes because of that free will but we always know that amongst our groups we can always give grace give understanding and that is where those healthy conversations like you said you were able to sit in even though you had your values and principles and that other people had their values and principles you were still able to allow the light to shine because at the end of the day don't take your right with you take it up with the boss I'm just a vessel we are all just vessels here to be the best that we can be. Mm-hmm. So I think kudos to you for being able to still stay at the firm on that, but also having the heart, the ability to 
still your needs are still complete, right? To still give a servitude, but you are also able to still make decisions. Yeah, right. But take it, it. And I, that that brings me to this one of my favorite quotes. It's actually from Thomas Jefferson, one of the founding fathers. It's going to lead me to another point, but let me mention this quote first. So, in matters of style, swim with the current. In matters of principle, stand like a rock. And to me, that's essentially what what you did, right? It was opportunity to give great opportunity to listen, but still based on your principle, you're still firm in those in those beliefs. So, speaking of founding father. Um, unless anyone want to weigh in on that quote, no, no, no okay, that's perfect. Solid. It's that's like that's straight, that's yeah, that's it's straight, that's straightforward. I'll chime in just a little bit. Okay. This is something that um, Michael Kelly and I had discussed on a previous podcast. I think it was actually like one of his questions that he had put into the jar was, "What's something that like you thought was right, and then like later on you realized you're yeah. just like wrong about it?" And it's really just by simply educating yourself being around smarter people or really having more experiences in life. And then you, the outcome years later could be completely different. And your out, your outlook on a situation could be completely different than yeah. something else, which by your parents, as you were, I think Trey had mentioned maybe is like something that when you grew up that you were, you would assume that your parents would lead you in a specific way and you trust your parents. You right. believe whatever they teach you is correct. But then once you do grow up, you start having new experiences, you start meeting other people, you start having more options for yourself, essentially. It really is finding your own beliefs and values within that. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So beliefs, values, principles, just as a highlight, right? So this is brought me to this article that was actually written by David Brooks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like last year. Super, super dope guy. He's been on CNN, PBS. He's a writer for the New York writer, Times. Yeah, Atlantic. And the article, I'll read this, this, this paragraph. Over the course of the 20th century, words relating to morality appear less and less frequently in nation's books. According to a 2012 paper, uses of course of the words related to being virtuous also apply significantly. Among them were bravery, which dropped 65%. Gratitude dropped 58%. And humble and humbleness dropped fifty five percent. For decades, researchers have asked incoming college students about their goals or purpose in life. Mm-hmm. Right in nineteen sixty seven, about eighty five percent of them said they were strongly motivated to develop a meaningful philosophy of life. By two thousand, only forty two percent said that they were being financially well off. Right, that was their goal. Right, <laughs> and and to become and okay, being financially well off and became the leading life goal. By twenty fifteen, eighty two percent of the students said was their aim right so this article is titled <laughs> look, 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 look this article is tire, titled how america got uh, right in what year did they all this just, just came, came out. out this just came out yeah this came out about a month ago like august yeah august 14th yeah i'll send it to you it's on it's on it's, it's in the atlantic it's a whole audio too it's on audio too it's like a podcast and they read through it. it's such a good article because it really touches on and gives statements as you uh, as you all know it talks about essentially how we deviated from essentially how this country was established, right? It was mm-hmm. founded on principle. Right. And it, the people who brought this nation to life were cognitively diverse as well and then had values and principles. We may not agree with all of them, but it was a shared value and a shared system that really helped it grow. And we're going so far away from that. 
I was going to say so far left, but I didn't want to have pun intended. But <laughs> we're, going so, we're going so far away from that, that it's it's becoming more and more apparent that we need a shared value and morality system. Yeah. So based on just that data, I want to hear some of y'all thoughts. And if you even knew that, or I'm sure you guys could sense that, but if you even knew that it's it's not even in our textbook. So our kids aren't going to be reading take the same type of material that we were reading or our parents were reading because they're taking morality out of it and taking virtue and and and, and values. values out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that is a a great point. And it's really it's it's not really shocking now. <laughs> You're right. Just because the whole essence in which life is lived and even when you go back to America, the values that it was built on, I think America really built are created more of an idea. An idea changes right. along the way because it's the essence of what people really value and they vote for those so things. Right. And over time, it changes. And you are seeing more of that, especially when it comes to kids going to college, kids not going to college. Literally, pretty much like the the future of where America will like lie in, and especially when it comes to you know really understanding who individuals are going into college. They do not want to repeat the same thing that their fathers and mothers went through. Correct. And that's just simply the fact, like, you got married at the age of 18, and you, in your pension fund, your 401k, it failed you. So, really, in essence, why would I follow that path? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, then it kind of, like, changed the whole trajectory of what they was founded on and what they was, like, taught. Right. You taught me values. I'm going to do the complete opposite of that. How about I just go out and figure out life myself? Right. And that's really not a bad thing and I kudos to you especially when it comes to introducing yourself to a new environment to a new place and accepting ideas and things of that nature right. I think the problem comes into play especially when it comes to students is that we put a lot of emphasis on image versus identity and mm-hmm. that right there changes your perception of reality because now we have this image that says we're going to live for we're going to, we have to make an happy image all the time. I will only post happy things. I will only show you this side of me and you will not get the other side. So then in the essence of health and different values and trying to understand somebody who comes from a completely different background, well, all of these emotional things come up to the point where, okay, we can be transparent on this side, but now if the other on the other side, we still have to have an image that is perfect. And what is so interesting about that is even especially when you go into like high schools now, like people feel like they are they are not as popular if they don't have depression. If they don't have mm-hmm. suicidal thoughts. Yeah, bro, being they, a victim is cool now. Exactly. That's like, why I hope. It's not like overcoming. It's yeah. more so something has to be bubbled if I do not have bullying towards the same sex. Right. And I'm not mm-hmm. negating like all of those things right. for a role because I really but we really created like this idea of this facade of things that you have to go through in order to get a certain outcome out of life and that's just not it's just not it and so no wonder why you don't have this is all morality or you don't try to understand the meaning of life or you don't understand what what it means to even have value you are letting a set standard for you and that idea or the image that people are looking at sometimes makes think that that's how life should be. Quick 
quick question on that. How, what would you say to the next generation that is being raised up right now? How would you encourage them? How would you guide them or advice that you would give them to be able to find morals and values that they can build off of and have something strong to stand on and encourage them within that? Like you said, a lot of times it is almost the wrong thing or the cool thing that's right now. So for the kids that maybe have a buzz that that's yeah. or just like a feeling that, no, I want to stand up for myself in this of what is right. How right. would you encourage them through that? It's funny that you asked that because that's a really good question. I have two little sisters. My parents adopted them actually clear oh, wow. all of us, all of the kids up the house. Kudos to my parents. I will never, once my kid, <laughs> <laughs> it will be done. I have they just started all over and they are in their teens now. And one of the things that was interesting to me, I get a chance, I get the privilege and the opportunity to spend some time with my little sisters. So they are in Lovey, Texas. That's where I grew up. And they come to Dallas and they spend about a week with me. This particular time, I felt convicted that they, they were on their phones so much. <laughs> and it was, it's funny because I'm like essentially turning into my parents. Right? Now you're on your phone. Now you're on your phone. You have a limit now. I thought I would never be that person, but I know what's out there. Yeah, I literally know now what they are looking at and what they could possibly come across that I have no control of. So to make a long story short, I set like a little standard that they had to be on their phone. I actually grabbed her phone. Um, yeah, she's older. She's 15 years old. I grabbed her phone and I put a time limit on it. And you know what she started doing? She started crying. And I was like, I said, why are you crying? You still get to, you still get to see your phone. I'm over here thinking. Yeah, but if that's all they know, it's exactly. so that's different. And, but I'm over here thinking, I'm giving her time. Man, it's me up. It's such a great way to parent. You know what I'm saying? I'm like sending myself <laughs> like, if she started crying, she, I'm ruining her life. And I said, why are you crying? She said, because I won't be able to respond to you. Just deep. I said, wow. I like, we allow yeah. people to true yeah. with our life so much right. that we feel convicted if we're not able to respond. And it's yeah. probably matter to our friends. And I can't even blame her because even as adults. Yeah, we should. <laughs> it's like, why do you answer my text message? Yeah, I see you on your phone all the time. Or like, it we can't even be. It says red. Or you, right, the email. Like, you get an email at 6 o'clock at night. It's dinner time. It's family time. And you answering the email before you are even able yeah, to spend time. Now. Look, yeah, I like you. Yeah, that's not set a good standard. Yeah, and if you are not comfortable with your identity, and that's one of the right. things that I will say, I have to, I have to stick on this a little more. And it does go back to the foundation of Christ and things of that nature. But I want to speak in a general sense as well: is that finding yourself doesn't necessarily mean that you have to introduce yourself to so many toxic experiences. Yes. Yeah. It's not what you are in. It's not what people sometimes say, I want to try to get this out of my system before I get married, or I want to get this out of my system before I commit to certain things, or before I commit to college. It's not necessarily what you are getting out of your system. It's what you are getting. Yeah. And it's what you're putting into your system that really challenges the narrative or the direction that you want to go with your life. Yeah. And if, and if, Children, or even when I say kids, like one or two in college, they're getting ready to kind of like be 
the the next for a lot of things that's going to be happening in America. One of the things that I will say is be comfortable with yourself and your identity, which I love because right. you see more of. Mm-hmm. And not only not only that, allow yourself to grow, allow yourself to grow in the right things. Surround yourself literally by people who have done it before you. There you go. Put 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 yourself around people who can guide you in a way that you would like to mimic your life. And I think, in essence, because I definitely want to hear other people with that on it as well, but in essence, you give yourself a yeah. to not allow so much toxic, or I don't, I don't want to use the word toxic, so much information mm-hmm. to be exposed to you that you almost feel like you have to make a decision that is consistent with what is being thrown out in the world or thrown at, at us consistently. Continue. Yeah. And like I'm a victim, I'm a victim of it as well. Right. Like I know right. like I can't handle TikTok. Like I can't. <laughs> That's just yeah. me. Like I am frustrated yeah. with my TikTok algorithm. Yeah. Who else China? Too strong. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I it is literally I try to market in that area and things of that nature. And I, I know if I know I have put boundaries around it, like yeah. I would want to teach boundaries to her as well because yeah. of what can be influenced. And if you don't allow yourself to really become set in your identity or as a person, then you will not have the confidence that is needed for you to thrive the next level. So information can sometimes remove that and people that you have around you can as well. So that takes a while though. Wait, wait, trade time. Straight yeah. up, no, that, it takes yeah. a while, but at the same time, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you wanna, I, I, that's why I, I want to have patience with everybody as well because right. I really believe that in the same way that I had to find my way, like I really do believe that they will. Yeah, no, nah, that's 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 what it's about. Yeah, I think one thing I was just gonna say before I, I let Trey, Trey weigh in. Family legacy, though, I think it's important that, yeah, you influence, but at the same time, it's like, bro, the reason I'm having children is to literally instill my values and principles. And I'm, I'm not, that's legacy. Yeah. I'm not just having children out here just like, yeah, go do whatever you want. No, you're going to have my principles, my values, and walk and talk and be like very similar to me. And I think that that's important for people to understand as a as a man of your household, that's what your job is. Like your yeah. job is to do that. So I'll let you in to it. But I would just like that. But well, even with just like yeah. what you're saying right now. Yeah. Even then. Right. Like children still have the ability to decide where you had it to go, you know. Sure. Because you want to like you want to instill that in them and right. protect them from those things. But for sure. It's funny because I'm literally asking. I, I done went from kissing my daughter at will. Now yeah. asking her <laughs> if I could give her a kiss. And she yeah. tells me that. Yeah, bro. It, I'm like, that's just how it is. And in my mind, I'm like, I didn't fed you. <laughs> right. I put a wreath over your head. I put a wreath over your hair. The <laughs> least you could do. All right. It's like <laughs> <I'm> appreciation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But we, what in the same time, like, yeah. I have to respect yeah. you know, our growing 
Right. Rome as well. Right. You're going to have to start negotiating with them. Right. right. You can't give, you're not going to give me a kiss. What are you going to do? Give me a hug? Right. Can we compromise that? Like, can we compromise? You you try to lay that foundation, but at the same time, you look at it the opposite way. Somebody, I heard that. Ask her, can I give you a kiss? I want her to say, no. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) It's absolutely. I just want to. I'll try to know what you said first. Okay. When you talked about the management of the household, the yeah. scripture that came to my mind um, was First Timothy chapter 3, okay. uh, verse 5. It says, a man who can't manage his own household cannot manage the household of God. Oh, but you recognize that the household of God is not necessarily in the church. Yeah. outside. That's it. You need somebody to, to hug you. Yeah. And, and it's the goal now. Grace talks with you were saying you brought up a very interesting thing last year. I had the privilege of speaking at this particular setting for protection of the individual. I'm speaking very vague terms, but I spoke about and what I came to the realization was is that if nobody in their home or in their area or in their culture in their community, they have never been told that they are a yeah. That they are valuable, that they are special, that they are loved. They can live a life never knowing. Yeah. yeah. And it took me, I, I did this, I had to prepare a 52 minute like session. And the whole session was centered around not have community without community. And so that was centered around Romans 12, where it talked about. Everybody serves a purpose, right? Has a purpose. And the entire purpose is meant to come together for one body. And so when I sell when I spoke about that, I was sitting to tell this whole group in general terms, everybody in here, you're a leader. You just need to figure out what your path is, what your purpose is, what you've been called to do, but do not look at the person next to you or to the left or right of you and feel that you need to veer into their lane because their road doesn't have potholes, right? Yours does you have potholes, your road can't. You try to get through them, but theirs look smooth. And you're like, well, I'm going to get their road because it's smoother. It's, no, 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 no. You get through your potholes because eventually once you get back on your smooth road, you may be able to help them change their flat tires mm-hmm. because their potholes may be ahead. You just didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. So don't think that you need to veer left or right and see if you mm-hmm. in one of those lanes. Because your lane is your lane for a reason. Right. You have to drive it. But understand that that lane that you're driving is going to lead you to the path and the purpose that you have been called to do so that way you can go out and make the impact that you have been called to make. Because a person who was an atheist who comes into Christ, their testimony is going to be completely different from a person who dealt with church hurt. And so how a person sees church hurt and they maybe went to a place where there wasn't good doctrine teaching and they felt neglected by the church, their ideology and their principles are going to be completely different. But it's the same thing in the culture. And so hurt people hurt people. Yeah. But if you don't look at the hurt that you endured and got through as a testimony to help somebody else that went through it, then you'll never understand what you'd be called to do. It goes no different for the next generation of kids. And so for each and every one of us in here, who we're all in our 30s, like anywhere from the age of 25 to about 35 right now, we are the bridge between two generations right now. Yeah. And so what we have is we have a younger generation who looks at the elders as just old people and they don't look at them as the wisdom givers. So we are now in the middle of these two generations having to say, no, you guys need the elders because you don't know how much I love my grandma or my grandpa. You don't know how much I needed them. You don't understand sometimes maybe my relationship with my parents wasn't the best, but I could always depend on my grandparents to always be there for me, to care for me, to nurture me, to be able to instill 
discipline and wisdom maybe because this new generation, while though they may be very intrinsic, they may be, they may be very uh, creative, they don't even understand that they are in the best time to be an entrepreneur right now. You can be an entrepreneur at 13 years old and literally be developing your life right now because of the accessibility to resources. You didn't have that accessibility unless the elders created a pathway for you to even get to that point. So we have to be the ones that are going to our elders and saying, hey, listen, what I'm struggling right now to be the best father that I can be. Yeah. Where did you fall short? And they will instill that wisdom or, hey, I'm worried, man. I'm chasing this career. I'm going after the money. I'm going after the money, but I don't, I don't feel like I'm moving in the right direction. And they will tell us, but then what do we have to do? We now have to go to them and try to instill as much as we got from them and to them and tell them you can also go to them and get that same information, which helps us recreate the regenerative cycle that is necessary to keep a more prosperous world moving. Because like you mentioned earlier, yes, we as Christians cannot impose so much of our values on others because if they don't believe it, it's like beating a, a dead horse. So you yeah, yeah. have to, essentially, we have to continue walking the pathway. But if there is, there's not a regenerative cycle for them or for people who are confused, people who are lost, people who are seeking things, if they don't have anything to go back to, then that's, it's a half circle. It don't get the full, complete thing going. So in that essence, I think that it's important for us to see, I, I always say it like this, we're not judged on what we do going forward. We're judged on the pathway that we're creating for the people who are behind us. Yeah. And that starts with mm. if you know your purpose, if you know what you've been called to do, you're comfortable here, if you feel valued in that pathway, and you're okay with no matter what it looks like, you're okay with still walking it. What it does is it shows them continue to trust the process, continue to seek wisdom, understand that iron sharpens iron, understand that we all have a testimony. Guess what? If you're down, I'm the best I can. One day I'm going to fall. That starts with we cannot put a value dollar amount on our gifts. You give the gift free. Yeah. And let it, and let the blessings come. Because if you own some value, this, I work this, you should, I should, you don't know what I'd have been through. Actually, you can't tell me this. Okay, I understand that. But is this all for your glory? Or is this for the purpose for you to help somebody else who's been through the same thing? That to me is extremely important for the younger generation to understand because in my profession of work, I do CSR, corporate social responsibility. My main responsibility is to ensure that one, I'm creating effective programs that help the next generation to see it in the future that they walk into. But it's also to make sure that corporate constituents are seen as heroes and seen as well. That I think mm-hmm. we talk about balance or having to essentially balance my morality with the shareholders' needs. Right. In that balance, I have to figure out how can I continue to make attention to everything that I do, but also make sure that the next generation has to understand this generation is always going to look for ways to capitalize off what they're interested in. And so if they just continue to have the consumer-based mindset in all that they do, they're just like, I'm going to watch Twitch streams all day, or I'm going to be on TikTok all day, I'm going to be scrolling social media all day, then they are just continuing to play to the end of how they're going to continue to build their money because they don't understand that. They don't understand that the marketing data, the KPIs, and the research that right. they've done on them and yeah. they're building five-year projections on what decisions that they're going to make with it. So they don't understand that, okay, we have to have this bridge to make sure that, one, they're not going to continue to pervert the next generation, but they can understand that, hey, I need to learn 
where are we as a society? Where are we as a group? How does essentially the bridge, how do we continue to build this healthy bridge so that way they're not overperverting? They are not appreciating the sweat equity that has been put in. And then we can continue to make sure that we are thriving into one day. We're going to be those elders and we have to then be responsible to help the ones behind us mm-hmm. regenerate the new cycle because there's nothing new under the sun. Our technology, the power of the algorithm, powers that be are going to continue to find any way yeah. to capitalize off of trauma, capitalize off of generational curses, capitalize off of the need for money to feel valued, to feel important, right. to feel special. They're going to find a way to capitalize. So we just have to figure out a capitalistic world. How am I going to say, bump the capitalism? How are you doing? How is your heart? Little head. Is there anything that I can help you out? Is there anything I can pray for you out? Is there anything that, you know, what, what, what can we do to make sure that you feel special, you feel valued, you feel heard, you feel seen? But understand that after I give you that information, you still have a level of responsibility. So to go out and make something better out of place. Yeah. You you had started that off with everyone's a leader and they may not know or have been told that they are a leader. This was actually something that one of my friends said not that long ago. And it was like so digestible and so eye-opening and one of the most practical, simplified pieces of information I've ever been given. She said that whenever she is having a conversation with someone, whether that information that she's receiving pertains to her or not, instead of focusing on how to respond, she literally digests the information with the mindset of, I'm going to captivate this information to help someone else. And like by literally consuming any information that you're having with another individual in any conversation with that mentality at all times, Think about the power that can come from that. Like you're retaining this information strictly just to give it to someone else. And if you start your leadership path like that, if that's the only thing you do, I think that that can benefit so many people or people that don't know until today that they are called to be a leader, that they have authority to walk in that leadership position, whatever that looks like, just start there. Retaining information that's freely given to you by whoever it is, however, whether it's good or bad, because it's still for an experience or a learning opportunity to potentially hand off to someone else later on. There you go. I think that's a very practical, digestible way to start a leadership path for yeah. someone that doesn't consider themselves yet a leader. It was another good day. We had another good day. And if you line up enough good days, around have a good life.